It's Dr. Stu's podcast at drstu'spodcast.com. Here we are, milestone number 60. 60. Wow, this is like the 60th. This is not like, this is the 60th Dr. Stu podcast. Did you ever think when you and I sat two years ago at Conrad's that this little idea that I had would actually become 60 full-blown podcasts hosted by Dr. Stuart Fishbein? You know, Brian, I actually thought we might make it to 59. You did. But okay. I never thought we might get to 60. So, so this, is a big, this is a good deal. So officially today we've surpassed your expectations. Yes. Okay. Have. If you want to, uh, of course, uh, you can check out drstuespodcast.com for all new podcasts. You can subscribe on iTunes. I say write a nice review for Dr. Stu and give him five stars. And that helps out. The other thing we say to do is on social networking like Twitter and Facebook, go out, go out and tweet and uh, post on Facebook. Uh, Dr. Stu's podcast. If you have a question for Dr. Stu, ask Dr. Stu at gmail.com. Dr. Stu reads all the emails. He responds to lots of them, and some of them are used for fodder on Dr. Stu's podcast. And I would be absolutely remiss, and my web guru genius, Renee, would be uh, really upset with me if I didn't mention the fact that this past week we now have a Facebook Dr. Stu's podcast page. So we want you to go to Facebook and like Dr. Stu's podcast facebook page yeah love that's that a hand, that's a mouthful yeah no we had talked about that a number of weeks ago so on facebook if you're on there on facebook with your uh wife your kids your 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 spouse your mom your dad your boyfriend your girlfriend search out dr Stu's podcast on facebook and you'll see the page and click like so that you like the page and on that page there will be an awful lot of uh reaction to things we talk about on dr Stu's podcast we're starting to do that uh, directing people there. Uh, I do want to say that last week, however, I did get hacked on Facebook. So if you get any strange Facebook messaging from uh, Dr. Stu's podcast or Dr. Stuart Fishbein OBGYN's Facebook page, uh, ask some obvious question that only only Brian or I would know. Right. Make sure that it's from us before you start corresponding and sending naked pictures right. of yourself it and might that not, sort of thing. Because right? it might not be real. It's probably not me. Okay, we want to start the show. It might be uh, you. Uh, it no, it's me. not me. It's, uh, no, I promise this. I'm far too busy for that. It's definitely not me. We want to start the show this John, afternoon. John, where, where were you? Where were you two days ago? Yeah, John Norton, who is our technical engineer and, and a friend of all of ours, he had uh, some sort of... Uh, what mic are you going to use? You got a mic over there? You going to use mine? Oh, boy. All right. Why don't you, we, we, have to, okay. we have to increase our budget. We're going to have to get another mic. Yeah, use my mic to basically, what, you're going to go after Dr. Stu and tell me you had a problem with him? Well, you know, no, we, no, not this time. We, we need to get another mic, though, because we do have a, a guest coming uh, yeah. with our next Yeah, podcast, I can but. hook it up. I, I'll hook it up for next time. Yeah, so John and I we were talking. We can accommodate up to four of you guys. Well, what would we do with four of us? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, never, we would never get anything done. Uh, so John, what John and I were talking before the podcast started, and he was... You know, we were we were griping about this and griping about that. And John had a gripe that I thought would be a good gripe to get started with. But before we get started on gripes, I wanted to go over the good news in medicine uh, that went on in the past two weeks. I love this because it's important. We talked about this on the radio here on KRLA, KRLA in Los Angeles the other morning, that too, ma- too, ma- too often the news is dominated with bad news. We like to bring good news, positive news. Dr. Stu, I'm so glad you've got some positive news to share with our listeners to Dr. Stu's podcast. And now that we got the positive news out of the way, <laughs> no, <laughs> let's t- go on no, please tell me there's positive no, there, news. Yeah, there's one good positive news. Uh, we had a nice uh, home birth of twins this past week, and uh, 
that was a, a real treat. This a, was boy, a, a boy and a girl? Two boys, uh, seven pounds and eight ounces and six pounds, 11 ounces with about uh, three pounds of placenta and about oh, five to six pounds of water. It's probably carrying around over 22 pounds of, uh, of baby and stuff inside of her. And mm. she went to 40 weeks and four days. And she labored for about 24 hours, about 12 to 14 of which were pretty good labor. And this she delivered about 48 minutes apart. Mom's first time? First babies down in Long Beach. And I wanted to give out a, a, a congratulations to parents Sarah and Noel and uh, to the beautiful birth team that we had, uh, uh, the doulas. Um, we had Leah, and I'm blanking. And now I'm going to get in trouble because I'm blanking on the That's other okay. beautiful doula. It happens but all the time. But if you find the link on Facebook, you'll know. And then Beth Cannon and uh, student Abby. And uh, the, the family was fantastic. And so this is the good thing. This is going, once again, showing that if you trust the process that and you pay and you select your patients carefully and they take care good care of themselves that labor can progress normally and that people can have an unmedicated beautiful home delivery of twins dr stu you mentioned the p word placenta so with uh two babies comes a lot of placenta uh in your experience right now as you uh deal with clients what percentage out of 100 what percentage of new moms is actually consuming the placenta you, you always get back to this uh, this question, Brian. Because I because I represent guys who listen to this show too, and they want to know, darn it. Well, we actually did have a little bit of postpartum hemorrhage, so we actually took a little oh. piece of her placenta and we mixed it in a little smoothie for her. Okay, and she actually drank that or ate that or whatever you do with that. And then that's medical, uh, medically helpful. Well, midwives think so. Right. I don't think that I've ever uh, had any evidence based uh, data to suggest that for in the medical literature, but uh, I believe that there's a lot about herbal medicine and, and Eastern medicine and natural medicine that doctors don't know and How often did, ridicule and yeah, laugh at, right, right. which I've learned not to do that because I found a lot of things work that I had no knowledge about. Dr. Stu, how did that placenta in that case work for that mom? Well, that along with a bunch of medications okay. seem to work really well. Right, right. Okay. Now, <laughs> is your argument with uh, our very own John Norton complete or is there more fisticuffs here? Is well, there, we didn't have an argument at all. We have an agreement. We on, have an agreement on something. Is but there, anyway, that's is, the, is there, there isn't a lot of good Brian news. Brian always works under the assumption that we have a confrontational relationship here, but no, it's all good. Yes, man. by the Stu way, Stu and I actually the, agree on this issue. And a, a shout out to the other doula named Marisol. I really, I'm sorry, Marisol, that I forgot your name momentarily there. But uh, we got, I've got I'm shuffling a lot of papers as we do this. So well, uh, back to uh, John. Tell us your story. Yeah, basically, uh, Stu and I were complaining about how there's a lot of construction and stuff going on over here. I think you've noticed, Brian, that my apartment faces the street right there by the park. Oh, yeah, you bitch about it constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, there's road construction basically from uh, the Mexican border to uh, Seattle. Yeah, my whole my whole issue was this. This What I was telling Stu was that like they're basically just putting a curb on the sidewalk, and they've been doing that for like weeks now. And I heard that the whole reason that they're doing it is because that the government has to spend a certain amount of money or they don't get the same amount the next year. You know what I'm saying? So it's basically like completely useless and needless, all this massive construction that they've been doing for weeks to literally just put a curb on a perfectly good sidewalk and it's just because they have to spend the money. Right. It's, an, it's called allocation and this reminds me of my mom uh, when she was a teacher. The, the school districts had to spend the money on if they had money budgeted for construction, even if they didn't need any construction, they would find things to construct 
<laughs> and in, in the year before my mom's school district went bankrupt, they built a new auditorium. They spent money on raising the drinking fountains in the hallway of a school that they ended up giving up the year, a year later simply because there was money in the budget to do that. And no administrator has the balls to speak of to say, mm. you know what, we don't need this money. Let's give it back. Dr. Stu, I thought of you this week because uh, this podcast number 60, a, a milestone podcast number 60, will be up online on iTunes on drstuspodcast.com uh, this weekend. Well, this past week, President Obama, Wednesday and Thursday, was in, was in Southern California. And I saw a story, I believe it was on Wednesday, there was a pregnant woman who needed to get across the street to like cedars or something and the chp or the fbi or the secret service or lapd or some you know uh, you know uh, conglomeration of all of them basically said no 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 no. this is uh, you know very high serious security stuff you can't cross this street and she said but 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 i'm bursting I, i'm gonna have my baby here did this make the news uh, it did make the news yeah i didn't hear about this i yeah. i was personally affected by this because a lot of clients were late that day uh, he, 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 was, he was having lunch at Cantor's Deli, which was, you know, a couple miles from my office. It's, right. It just, it screws up traffic everywhere, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why the guy comes to raise money in the middle of the week. You know, you want to come here, come on a Saturday, come on a Sunday, but don't come to the west side of Los Angeles in the middle of the week. I mean, and, and they're closed events. Nobody can go and see him anyway. You have to pay $10,000 a plate to go. I wonder if he paid $10,000 uh, for that uh uh, corned beef sandwich. Well, the first fundraiser was thirty-two thousand four or five hundred dollars to get in there and see him. And then uh, at Cantor's, I think you just lucked out. But then you had to win a lottery to see him at that college. What was that college called? Uh, Los Angeles uh, Inner Tech College uh, yeah, or something L- like LA that. Technical, LA Technical College something or something or like that. Right where the yeah, folks there were very excited to see. Let me President ask you a question. Obama. Let me ask you a question. Are, are people who pay for these types of events? Are they? Are they? Really stupid because what I heard was yeah. that it was ten thousand dollars a person, yeah, and thirty-two thousand dollars a couple. Right. Well, let me tell you something. So why, why, why would anybody right. do that? Back. Uh, <laughs> let me answer. Uh, you know the answer to that? Personally, I know the answer. Oh, you do. Back uh, when I was in the go-go nineties and I was making a ton of money. Right. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, who you know, uh, there, there was something came along where it was brought to my attention, Brian. Uh, you, I think you and a couple or the two of you, I think it was you and a couple for $10,000, uh, not dinner, but can come and have a meet and greet at some house in Beverly Hills with president Clinton. So for 10 grand and you know, I loved him right for 10 grand, which I did have, it would support the, the, uh, the, the party or the campaign. I could write it off or certainly some of it. Do you wish you had it back now? I never spent it. I never oh, went oh, because okay. even I, even I have moments of uh, a lucid moments. And I said, oh, you know God. what? I'm not going to pay 10 grand to shake that Hicks hand, you know? So, uh, so we, we were kind of excited about it, but 10 grand to shake his hand. I don't think you'd have called him a Hick about 10 years ago. Uh, I think you, I think you're, you're evolving. No, no, you, you'd be surprised. My, 10 years my ago, conservative friend. No, 10 years ago, I made a lot of fun of him. I made a ton of money, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, making yeah, fun of, fun uh, you of know, who and, yeah, and yeah. having fun about Hillary yeah. and whatnot. Right. I did yeah. all of that, you know, and, and yeah, made, sure. made a sure. ton of money doing that. Now, let me ask you something. Wait, so wait, did, we, did you finish the story about the, uh, yeah, I didn't do it. Oh, you didn't do it. I didn't do it. I well, didn't what, do what it. What does that have to do with the fact that it's charging three times as much for two people? Well, because... I mean, I, that's like buying an avocado for a dollar and, and two avocados for five dollars. I'll tell you why. Because since the 10 years or 15 years that I was going to drop the 10 grand to have my girlfriend and I meet Clinton, 
Politics has gotten much more expensive. It is it is a war for funds. These guys have got both of them, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, all of them right. have got to get their hands on funds. They've got to get their hand on Mula Shmula to run effective campaigns for the presidency. So why not charge more for a single person and less for a couple? I mean, you're getting. Well, they, they probably make those calculations. Yeah, it's, uh, it, just, it was just an odd number to me to, to realize if I was a couple, I would each buy a separate ticket if we both wanted to go. Yeah, right. You'd right. save yourself a lot of money. You could you could. Of course, do I that. suppose by the point you can pay $10,000. It's like that scene from um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where uh, Steve Martin wants to get a cab and the, and the lawyer <laughs> says, uh, you know, Steve Martin says, I'll give you $50 for a cab. And the guy says, anybody who'd pay $50 cab will surely pay 75 Yeah, that's right. He says, you're a thief. He says, no, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so here, this is saying, anybody who can pay $10,000 for a lunch can surely, surely pay $32,000. Now, I thought of you the other day because uh, there have been... Uh, old... So what happened to the woman? Did she get to the hospital? Well, this is what we understand, that uh, there were nurses and residents there, you know, kind of uh, tending to her, right? Uh, and, and, and we understand as of yesterday morning, she had not yet given birth. Oh. So she might have been very early on with her labor. So we will follow that. But this is where they block the street off even 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes before he even comes by. Right. 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 You would think that, look, if I'm Obama and I hear and somebody says, Mr. President, uh, there's a woman, uh, you know, 100 yards. <laughs> it's not going to get down to him. D- d- down the, well, to him. No, but down the way. And she needs to cross the street. If I were Obama, I would say, stop the car. And I'd even, you know, try to get the Secret Service to get out to make sure she's doing okay. Could you imagine that photo op? You know, yeah. him caring for the, that's but what you know I what? Would... He doesn't care for photo ops, Brian. You know this, don't oh, you? Oh, no, no. He hates photo he ops. He hates photo yes, ops. Yes, of course right. he hates them. Let me ask you something, Doctor. He said Doc- so himself. Doctor Stu, we've talked about um, uh, the I'm courts. I'm a big fan, by the way. I know you are. We've talked about the courts and Obamacare. It seems to me. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Whether it's Hobby Lobby <laughs> or whether it's now these uh, this two to one uh, federal ruling the other day. Oh, that was interesting, right? That, that was interesting. Tell folks in a layperson's term as a doctor uh, what that might mean for the doctor-patient relationship, that most recent uh, federal court ruling the other day? Well, I'm not sure it means a whole lot for the doctor-patient relationship because none of these things have anything to do with the administering of health care. All these things have to do with the payment or the, uh, you know, the, the bureaucratic part of health care. It's never about the patient and doctor relationship. But from my understanding, the two decisions were that the letter of the law says that you can only get a subsidy if it's set up by a state exchange. And so the two-to-one decision in the D.C. Circuit Court said to the fact that, well, uh, 36 states don't have state-run exchanges, therefore they're not eligible for subsidies. Only the 14 states that have, feder- uh, that have state exchanges are eligible for federal subsidy. At the same time, an hours later in Virginia, a different court came up to a different conclusion that they said, well, you could liberally interpret it that state could mean federal but my question would be then, well, anywhere else in the law did they refer to the federal government as the state? And I don't think they did. So uh, I just think it's all, again, ideology trumping reality as it has in science and medicine. Now it's affecting all these things. But as far as it, it goes, it literally will gut the law because insurance rates will go up astronomically and all the people that are supposedly going to get subsidies are not going to be able to get them. The biggest problem I have, and, and one of the things that no one ever asks when we're talking about subsidies is, well, wait a minute, we're just talking about tax money to pay to give to insurance companies to cover their costs. So really what, what the Affordable Care Act was was, was the, uh, the uh, Insurance Company uh, Benefactor Act because whether they have to cover everything or nothing or 
pre-existing or non-pre-existing, they arranged in the law to make sure that they got paid for it by your tax dollars. I want to ask you something Does that else. Answer the question. Yeah, and then I want to ask you about the triple-digit. Uh, temperatures this weekend in Southern California with regard to pregnant women. But before that, and I want to spend uh, significant time on that and heat and the climate and the atmosphere and how it may impact a pregnant woman, since that's what Dr. Stu's podcast is all about. It seems as a political matter that uh, the courts are dumping on Obamacare. The courts are more effective in chipping away at Obamacare, whether it be Hobby Lobby or that two-to-one decision that you articulately, eloquently articulated a moment ago. The courts are having more success than, say, the Republicans or the conservatives in the suits on Capitol Hill. No doubt about it. Well, the, this is not the way the Founding Fathers set the government up for the, for the courts to... Uh, the courts were set up to rein in uh, you know, a branch of government that was running amok. And, and essentially, I think even my fair-minded friends on the left are going to say that the executive branch right now tends to be running amok with these executive orders. I and, believe too many and, of... I believe, there are too ma- I believe there are too many of them. Yeah, and selective enforcement of laws that are on the books, choosing to which laws to enforce and which laws not to enforce are really not the purveyance of the executive branch. They're supposed to enforce the laws as passed by Congress. You know, I, I'm sounding a lot like Ben Shapiro. I guess I'm listening too much, too much to your pod, to your radio show, because um, no. And I do want to get back to uh, you know uh, gynecology and obstetrics because that's well, your specialty. Well, but but this this is important stuff because because it, it does affect all of us and it really goes to the heart of the of what I I have become uh, what I would say, you know, uh, um, I've turned I've turned away from all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in a unique position to be able to do that. Right. I feel like many of my brethren in the medical profession are either com- too complicit in what's going on because they are benefiting from it, or they become cowardly and intimidated beyond belief and ra- rather than stand up. Because if you want to stand up for what's right for your patient, then you can't accept what's going on right now. And you shouldn't be, these decisions, sh- these decisions shouldn't be um, related to what a couple of judges think. And again, the judges are really ideological, too. I mean, the evidence is pretty clear. Why are there two-to-one decisions? Why does the Supreme Court decide things five to four? I mean, it, I mean, they all went to the same law schools. They all studied the same Constitution. You'd like to see some more nine-zip rulings. I would like to think that 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 it's not as fuzzy as, as it is. The fact that it's so fuzzy bothers me because mm. anything, you know, a, a single appointee can change the whole course of our nation as it has in the past. And I'm not sure that that's a good thing either. Okay. On Dr. Stu's podcast, we go all over the place from politics to Obamacare to uh, choice to uh, your ability as a pregnant woman to have your baby at home. To walk across the street. Yeah, to, to walk the across hospital. the street, out of the hospital, do it at home. Uh, triple digit temperatures in Southern California. We do the show from Southern California yep. and uh, this show we will be uh, uploaded this weekend. And uh, sure enough, while you're here in the show, uh, just flip on the radio, the TV, you'll see triple-digit temperatures are plaguing Southern California this weekend. Let's talk about a... Uh, let's talk about a... Do uh, you want to talk about a very pregnant woman or, you know, a five-month or seven or eight-month? Well, I think it, it, pl- it applies to all, all pregnant women. It applies to actually all 
elderly people, the same sort of recommendations you'd make to an elderly person. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask the question. Excessive heat, being outdoor, barbecue, by the pool, excessive heat, and I mean excessive, and humidity, and we're seeing that, and people listen all over the globe. Uh, If they're listening back in New York, my hometown, Lord knows there's humidity. Oh, we have listeners in Malaysia. Yeah, Malaysia, right. right. So there's humidity everywhere. Uh, To what extent should a pregnant woman avoid high temperatures and why don't you give us a number how high is too high and to what extent should she avoid humidity for the for for the for the goodness of her own well-being and for the goodness of the baby i personally think that again it it really depends on your uh, adaptation i mean if you're if you have lived all your life in tropical hawaii you can handle it better than someone who flies there from who who normally lives in minneapolis who flies to hawaii for a week um, if you live in Africa, you can deal with heat better than if you are, are coming from Central Europe. I mean, it, so there is an adaptation. It's like altitude adaptation too. You know, you come from sea level, you go to Denver. It's a little. You got to be more careful than a woman who's been pregnant in Denver her entire pregnancy, right? Because you're built up for that. So the same thing goes with heat. Um, but what's too much? If you walk out and it's 90 degrees, should you turn out and go back? Should you turn no. around and go back in the apartment where the AC is on? No, you shouldn't spend a lot of time when it's really hot, like 100 degrees, like it is here in the valley today. Uh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be out in that heat for a really long period of time. And what you do you wear, mean? By, and what do you mean by a long period of time? I know I'm drilling you, can, you on you this, but walk, you can go for a walk around the block, or you can walk to your car. But you shouldn't be in an out, open outdoor mall where you're walking around all the time. You shouldn't be uh, walking in the park for spending four, three hours in the park with your children, that sort of thing. Even in the shade, you're still talking, you're still losing a lot of perspiration. You're going to get dehydrated. You need to drink lots and lots of fluids, probably two, three liters of water a day. And you know, uh, among a lot other fluids that sure. you drink as well, juices and other things. And a lot of pregnant women, we've touched on this in the past. And I mean, you know, we're at podcast 60, but I mean, going back, you know, to the beginning, we touched on this. A pregnant woman who is with girlfriends who have never been pregnant sometimes have a t- has a tough time explaining to her friends what it's like being pregnant. And you can imagine the friends would say, oh, come on, come to the mall. Let's go and wait for the table at the Fridays. And, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. What What's the most couth way and classiest way for a pregnant woman to say to her girlfriends, you know what, girls, uh, I'm pregnant. I just can't do this stuff anymore. Yeah, I don't know why any woman, a pregnant woman would have a problem saying that. Just like you said it, Brian. I mean, or you could give them some attitude and say, hey, girlfriend, I'm not going to do that. Right. Right. (laughs) But I I don't think that that's, you know, that that's even an issue. I think that every, uh, every pregnant woman, you know, they get very cougar-like when they're pregnant and they can stand up for themselves yeah and they're not going to be bossed around but you know you need to you need to be careful about dehydration you need to be careful about lack of salt because you do sweat you lose salt um you need to be careful about extreme temperature changes going from cold to hot to cold to hot because what happens is, is your your body doesn't compensate as well as with vasoconstriction and vasodilatation so therefore and, that brings us to the beach or the swimming pool is that a good yeah, idea stand, well a swimming pool would be a great idea. All right, it's good. It's good on your joints. It feels good on your body. Uh, the water temperature, uh, you know, it can be any temperature that you, that you're comfortable in. You know, in the 70s or 80s, you don't want to be sitting in a bath at home, even on a cool day. The the bath temperature shouldn't be much more than 100 to 101 degrees, and you should have at least a third of your body out of the water so that you can radiate heat. The job of the skin is to uh, radiate heat. Um, away because your body temperature in your core is warmer than when you take it's warmer than 98.6 which is supposedly the average temperature right um, 
You have to be really careful when you stand up quickly if you're dehydrated or if you're overheated because your body will not vasoconstrict fast enough and you'll get faint and dizzy and lightheaded. You can actually fall down and that would be dangerous, falling down and bumping your belly or bump banging your head. So you have to be very careful in that scenario. It's just, you know, you it's the same, again, the same precautions that you would give to an elderly person. You don't want to sit in a house that where the temperature gets up to 90 degrees in the house without air conditioning. Uh, that's not healthy. It's not safe to do that. It's not healthy for anyone, let alone a pregnant woman. Right. And, right. I, you know, and, and fortunate, we're fortunate to live in an era now where air conditioning, even the, in the most uh, spartan, spartan of homes, right. is pretty standard. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not, then you need to spend the daytime uh, at somebody else's house or, yeah. you know, at, uh, at the mall and in the shopping, in the closed shopping center, go to the, Absolutely. You know, go shopping or go spend, go to the movies or do something where it's, where you actually have to bring a sweater these days yep. to the movies. Right, because it's so cold. Now, sometimes right. about this time with a few moments to go, Dr. Stu, we haven't seen each other for several weeks. There's usually something in your mind that you want to rant about. Oh, I see him already leaning. <laughs> I see him leaning over already to pick up some notes. Yeah, about, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna save the big topic for um, okay, okay, but for but, the next podcast. But, but I'd love but to give you one. three or four minutes to rant here. Okay, well, I think you've I've mentioned before that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology puts out guidelines that are adapted by hospitals and insurance companies as sort of the 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 ruling body of of my profession and when they put out a guideline saying things like water birth is dangerous uh or they put out a guideline that's saying vbac should have immediately uh, immediate help uh, available if you're going to support vbac and those things lead to banning of vbac or banning of water birth and stuff like that it would be nice to know that these things were based on good solid scientific evidence often the best scientific evidence is something called Controlled, randomized, double-blinded studies, which, of course, you can't do in things like water birth and VBAC because people know what they've got. Right. But you'd like to believe that they're more based on more than consensus opinion or uh, poor science. Sure. The problem is in the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, um, about 67% of their... Forgive me. The, yes. uh, the American uh, College. College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, is it sort of the Bible of... OBGYNs. It's like a, it's like it's not the Bible, but it's like an ac- the academic uh, a paper of record. <clears throat> yes, it's okay. not a paper. It's a it's a group. But and they publish papers right. and they publish journals and they, you know, and you and you become a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So it's it's sort of like being a member of the Bar Association, right? Uh, even though that's a state run thing. This is and a, getting their newsletter. You get the, yeah you 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 get to their access to their resources. Now, listen, they do a lot of good things. I know they do, but. 67% of their guidelines are not based on what's called level A or good science, and yet they're taken as such. And so why, why I'm bringing that up is because just this past month, in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, which is published out of England, uh, the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, which is the uh, British version, uh, Canadian version of the American College, um, Somebody bothered to look at their guidelines, and they asked the question, how evidence-based are they? And they do even worse than we do, because during this descriptive study of 1,682 individual recommendations, the authors of this study, and it's a really pretty well-done study, I've read it, uh, found that only 9 to 12% of the guidelines were based on the best quality, what is called level A or grade A evidence. Oh, wow. So... 
People are making decisions. Insurance companies are paying or not paying for things. Hospitals are banning or not banning things. Uh, doctors are doing things in their office or prescribing things or not prescribing things based on something that in this case is up to 88% gobbledygook. Right. All right. Now, that's, gobbledygook's a strong word, but it's... And it's, it's also not a clinical term. Yes. <laughs> you you figured that out? Yeah, I did Actually, you that probably out. looked that up. It's probably right, right. probably a, a word of the day. No, but your point is well taken, and it's alarming, So too. this bothers me because this is how decisions are made. This is how administrators make decisions on what they're going to have allow in their hospitals. And again, we talked early in the podcast today about the fact that, that healthcare decisions are not made to benefit the patient or the doctor. They're, they're made to benefit the economics of the system. Right. And that's what they're there for. And so they can often be made and be quite detrimental. Now, for the, for instance, water birth, in the water birth, uh, ACOG's water birth statement that came out recently saying that there were actually a few deaths uh, from water birth, all right? This was investigated by some people from uh, um, informingbirth.org, improving, excuse me, improvingbirth.org. And they did a, a great little YouTube video, which is yeah. now private, but I got a chance to see it, yeah. where they looked at the data, that, and they actually contacted the author that ACOG supposedly relied on to come out with the statement that there were some deaths with water bursts. And this author stated, you know what, our paper never says anything about deaths. We didn't okay. have any deaths. Okay, so then a retraction is obligated. Should it, be obligated. It, it is obligated. It's, ACOG has been written to, and, and as at this point... Uh, improvingbirth.org has had no responses from ACOG. We're waiting. I'm sort of an outsider for that. I'm a third party, so I'm waiting to see when they tell me that they yep. heard something. I don't expect they'll ever heard some, hear something. I've been through this with, with ACOG before when it came to the home birth and the VBAC issues. I wrote them. I even asked as an ACOG member, who are the, who are the people that sit on this committee and what is their experience with these subjects? And I was told that to be assured that these are good people and we're not going to tell you anything more than that. Well, we'll keep you up to speed on that, certainly for sure, as we continue here on Dr. Stu's podcast. Wow, Dr. Stu's podcast, milestone podcast number 60. 61 is coming up next. Thank you for letting me rant there, Brian. I love ending the podcast with the Dr. Stu rant. I, I, we don't do it all the time, but I like it when it happens. Well, sometimes the entire podcast is a Dr. Stu rant. You can download <laughs> at iTunes. Give Dr. Stu five stars. Write him a nice review. Come back here to drstuspodcast.com if you have an email, a question for Dr. Stu. Ask Stu at gmail.com. He reads them all and he uh, writes back to many and some of them are used as fodder. The questions are used as a conversation starters on the podcast. Also on Facebook, there is a brand new Dr. Stu's podcast Facebook page. So go on Facebook and click like so you like the page and we'll keep the dialogue going 24-7. We'll see you next time on podcast number 61 for Dr. Stuart Fishbein. You are the best, Brian. I am Brian Whitman. This is Dr. Stu's podcast.